Hey sisters, welcome back to Bible Study with the Twins. I am Lori. And I am Michelle. And this is our last bonus series of our continuing on with our Matthew studying chapters 5, 6, and 7. Today we're ending out finishing our thoughts of new things we've learned around chapter 7. That again, we hope bless you as you continue to study Matthew with us. The link to all of our original Matthew Bible studies, I'll make sure I link them all below. Before we get into it though, I just want to disclaim, Laura and I are, you know, are not experts. We're just taking all these amazing resources and just sharing them with you and encourage you to get into God's Word and to study it. Ponder Maybe. on this stuff. Like yeah. Michelle and I Let ponder, you. ponder more and more on these things. Yeah, you know, frequently, and I think that's what we're also called to like ponder on and talk about it in community, and that's what we're here doing with you is that we we want to talk to you about this stuff because it's important in, a, in mm -hmm. the community aspect of understanding God's kingdom, and so we have more to say on that, obviously, on yes. God's kingdom and all that we're sitting with um, after studying all this again through exactly. Matthew. More things from the sitting at the feet of Jesus book, but she just had something here about reminding us that the Sermon on the Mount was not a revolution against the Torah, but a revolution in understanding how to live out the Torah. It was the example, of course, of how to walk out Torah. You interpreted it for us and showed us the way. And as disciples, especially in a Jewish context, like a disciple knew that they were to literally mimic their rabbi. And if, so if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we really truly need to understand oh, his kingdom. Yeah. The more you understand his kingdom, you it's in and golf seat with the holy spirit you can live it out yeah and she was just mentioning that accepting christ is only the beginning it's not the ultimate goal discipleship is going deeper she says if you focus just on the gifts of salvation and kind of live your own life you're, you're not fully living living out with god you know bringing his kingdom here so to speak um she said remember we have god's spirit that helps us do this. God's love that, remember, freed us from legalism and all those following the rules perfectly. It's really about knowing God's word, the spirit of him in us, change truly who we are. And we do that through communion with him, reading his word, communion with other people, praying to him, praying alone with him, praying with others with him. Like It's all this learning to grow together and to understand his words, but it's really about letting him, knowing him, let him change us. In a sense, I guess I just want to get across like it's not so much like, okay, I have to do all these things. It's knowing him, knowing his heart behind this, that leads us to change. I'm hoping that coming out clearly. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's good. So looking um, at chapter 7, we can see again, remember, this is a continued thought of Matthew putting all of these amazing teachings of Jesus to really hone in on Jesus is reigning. This is his kingdom. This is what it looks like. We are encouraged to, to live like this, mm -hmm. live it out as well, to be set apart from the rest of the world, again, to be the light. As we can see how Matthew 7 starts judging, which I know a lot of people have their thoughts on what Jesus is really talking about here. Hopefully what I learned today will help bring some clarity. You can see the, the speck in your eyes, friend, have this own log in your eye type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Then also you see at the end in verse 6, you talk about these this idea of pearls and pigs and trample on the pearls. So it's like, what? What is going on here? So many unique things being said in these a few verses. So I learned some new things and it kind of gave me a little bit more clarity on maybe again the deeper message of what how we should maybe be interpreting all of this versus focusing on the the pigs and the pearls. So in those times Jews often referred to pagans as the Gentiles as dogs and pigs were also kind of used in that same way. They uh, obviously were very looked as unclean things. So don't throw your pearls to pigs. The audience would have known he was referring to the Gentiles, the pagans. So pearl, it's a Hebrew figure of speech. In Jewish minds, pearls are, are looked at as, as teachings, wisdom, right? So Jesus saying people who claim to speak for God cannot take and throw their morality 
for people who have not agreed to follow it. And I think this is so relevant to the world we live in today as it was obviously when Jesus was around too. So he's saying maybe some of these Jewish people are trying to make these pagans, these live under the way God said to live. But Jesus is saying, don't do that. They have not committed to live under God. You are my God's people. You are, so I think we get, us Christians I know can sometimes get a bad rap for that, put our morality on other people who have not agreed to follow Jesus. Or, co or companies oh. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's just an interesting thing again to sit with ourselves. Well, just, I know we're gonna get to more in here, but just a thought came to my mind, so I just wanted to share it before. So with that in mind, what I'm also learning myself is because I feel like that's what Jesus said. You're quick to judge. What he's saying is like, you look at the bigger picture, bigger picture but then also that leads into a prayer afterwards. Well, something I know with a lot of different companies doing things that we know are not the ways of God. And there's so many Christians. To God. I think that instead of us firstly just bashing and judging, it's God, let me talk to you about it. How are we to bring light to the situation? How can we show that this is not the right way God, to go so about? I ask for justice here. Like this, yeah. this is wrong. Like this is and wrong. Your eyes exactly. Stuff, so. Something yeah. I know I pray in this out a lot is just the schools and the the kids out there. I just I just pray for God like to act. I feel bad for all the kids out there. They're just getting caught in a lot of all of this. Mm -hmm. And so I think yeah, just I love how. It ties in the judgment with a prayer because it goes hand in hand for sure. Yes, I learned too. So it's like saying this. We can't just be like this, what God said. Like we can't like God said this or what the Bible says and now I'm making you follow mm. it. Mm -hmm. We have to be careful as again, they didn't sign up for that yet. And so I think the other ways through everything else Jesus is talking about, you can show them what it's like to be in the kingdom. So you can, you know, not just like start bashing people. You need to do this. I think it's just obviously it was happening back yeah. then. And it's something that unfortunately has continued to our day and age today. So we can't throw our own beliefs and our own convictions, etc., on other people, especially the Gentiles, those who choose not to believe. So can't throw Torah ways on Gentiles. As, Gentile, as Gentiles, Torah was not their law. It was the Israelites' law, right? So instead, we should let them see our pearls see the wisdom, see the teachings. It's such a let, see, let them see us live that out, mm -hmm. not just hear the pearls. Let them see us do it. Let us again be the witness, the light, shalom when it's chaos. Establish a relationship before that person, before just going right to the law. And I think that's very Hard. difficult to do because I know for me, Michelle and I have had this side discussion like, but I don't want the person to think or other people to think that I'm uh, saying what they're doing is correct by building a relationship with somebody who has different beliefs than me. And so I'm just reminded this of my own life as well, that, you know, take it to God, talk to Jesus about how to handle it. Goes, don't worry so much about what other people are thinking. This is yes. whatever person I'm dealing with or in between. But it goes back to if every believer truly understood what this meant, they would know. I shouldn't be judging Lori because she's friends with that person. I don't know the full story. She might be working something in them. God must be working there. Yes. I think that and that goes back to the good wrong. eye. You're seeing every opportunity through God's eye. So you getting to know somebody um, as an outsider or as a Gentile, you, you know, you don't know. You see the opportunity that might happen there with God. You know, yeah. so so this, this is what I got from a, another pastor from around this too is around this judgment is when God reveals something to, to us, your, your own personal conviction, then we use that, what we did, to, to judge another person. So we're taking that one thing and using that to judge the whole person. We don't, we, we assume the rest. We don't actually get to know the person. And he, the pastor was mentioned, we all do this. And I would admit, I catch myself from time to time, like 
seeing someone that I really admire, hang out or mention something, and I'm like, whoa, Michelle, wait a second. I don't know what God's doing. Go and ask and seek God yeah. and pray about it first. Yeah. And so, again, I shared that Jermaine, you like, I think we all need to humble ourselves and that we all struggle with this as believers. Also, I just know that you see, as I said earlier, like it's all back to the heart and it's all back mm -hmm. to the good eye concept. So Jesus is still- And how you're treating somebody else. So Jesus is still here with this whole judging and the pearl thing. Mm -hmm. All this builds off these concepts of worry, generosity, you're not, you know, being the light, but then it leads to judging people. Because if you're always constantly worrying, you're not going to be a generous person. You're just going to be out there being a very judgy person. So I, I love how this all just leads onto one another. The other thing I learned about judgment in that first century, three different concepts of judgment. The first one was like a civil judgment that you go to court and there's a judge to help rule. That's not what the type of judgment that Jesus is talking about, civil judgment. The second judgment was known as the judgment of discernment deciding if something is good or bad, if it's light or darkness, which I was remind he was okay. reminding me when I was learning, is that you, we can do this, this is what we've always been called to do, to be the light to other people. So this isn't what this is talking about. We are still called to look for bad things, to, 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 to discern. discern what is a good thing, what is an evil thing, what is the light, what is the darkness. So you can still, we can still call those things out. That's not what this is uh, talking about. Because remember from the beginning, God separated light from darkness. So we, again, as his image bearers, are called to still keep separating the light from the dark. It leads us into the third idea of judgment in that century was this discernment of, of the value of a thing. Like you being, a, they would bring sacrifices to the temple and you, you would want to redeem your sacrifice. So you would want to buy it back, I guess he said, from the Lord and take it home. So they are going to judge it, the value of that sacrifice. So yet, he said, when you determine a value of people, you have crossed the line in doing the same thing you are, aren't allowed to do. So I think that's more what Jesus is getting at here with this whole judgment thing and the, the log in your eye and check your own eyes that I guess it was getting to the point where people were started valuing somebody else. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm the only one that can do that. Devaluing. So, no, like the oh. idea, like I can decide if you're a valuable person oh, right, or not. Right, okay. And Jesus yeah. is like, no, you don't get to discern the value of someone. I get to decide that. You, again, are called just to bring civil judgment and call to see the good and the evil and call things out, you know, so... I like being reminded of that, that this is again the deeper issue. Obviously it must have been happening in the century of those why Jesus brought it up. So mm -hmm. Jesus addressing our judgment of people. We aren't free to pass judgment of value onto another human being. Only God does this. It's also maybe, I said maybe Jesus is also maybe hinting to the Jews I learned that their temptation to pass a value judgment on these pagan nations, those pearls and the pig idea. So he was just reminding them, you can't decide who has value or not. Jesus is the only one who can judge. That's what I know before and some of our other Matthews, we always, we learn from Tim Mackey, there's a line. Mm -hmm. And so many of us think we are on this line with Jesus, can lo overlook over here and pick on people. And Jesus, I think kind of ties in that. No, Jesus is like, no, I'm the only one over here can really see a value of the person. You are again just called to look for the good and find the evil well, and Well, it goes like because that. Jesus knows we're, we're not going to always check ourselves first. I think that's too, he's like, yeah. I'm calling you to do that, but I also know you're going to forget and you're going to quickly make a judgment statement. That's also why there's so much forgiveness and reconciliation talk with all within this as well. Like, go make it right. So how does this talk of judgment tie into your worry and your good eyes upon the previous stuff? Opposite of passing judgment on someone is forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So why do we pass value judgments on other people? 
Why don't we just go and forgive people? We judge people because we worry. You can see how everything is just like tying together so beautifully. We don't forgive people because we are worried they are going to get what they deserved, the justice that they deserve. So we start worrying, we start judging, we start being mean type of stuff. Not kind of taking it in our own hands. So then go. Which is what the story of the Bible is all about. People right. took the justice into their own oh, hands yes. instead of following the ways of the Lord. And then it goes all the way from verses 7 to 12 after that. So Jesus sums up the law there at the end. 12, obviously the golden rule, do it. But this is the essence of that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus sums up the law and the prophets by saying it's about people. These verses are not a standalone verses, especially this one about effective prayer, asking, knock, which I know we kind of saw it as a standalone prayer, which keep asking God's keep seek, which I don't think, again, technically maybe anything wrong, but... No, because he does call, if you could truly come home in your think, heart to seek me, he'll show up. So I think there is still that But I think it, but tying this, it to yeah. this whole message of judging, forgiveness, justice, I think it's a little bit, can be seen a little bit more in this context. But I also view so. it too, I definitely feel like it's around that, but I also view it as, it can help you, you can also use this asking knock and when you're struggling, discerning something light and evil too. Right. I feel like go to for God sure. about it. Like. Yeah, for sure. And so um, I again learn from Marty. All this goes with the previous teachings on worry, judgment, good eye. You have to have a good eye because if you don't, you're going to worry. And if you worry, then you don't have a good eye. You won't be generous and you won't and you'll start judging other people because you convinced you're convinced that they won't get what they deserve. So rather than all that, why don't you just ask God to ask not seek to take care of it. This is about when you are worried about whether people are going to get justice. This idea of like they get what's coming to them idea. So why don't you just give that back to God? Because God knows how to give good gifts. God knows how to handle the situation. Like God, like God going to give what gifts are needed. I just love how this again just all ties together. So again, pray for what God wants to do in this situation. Ask God to do the right thing because he knows what to do and give good gifts trust god to do the right thing stop worrying be generous to others especially the dogs and the pigs even those who have a different worldview than you put your worry aside because it will help you not to judge them and if you don't judge them it will help you not to worry as much as you sit down with them and you just really get to know them and build that relationship up with them you see that they are human and you ever realize you won't have this dog and pig thought in your mind in fact you might even be able to work with them so treat others as you want to be treated and I just I just love how that again all ties all these thoughts Matthew put together to sh show what it's like to be in Jesus's kingdom that's living here and active now you can step into that kingdom right now and be a part of it and really sit with these deeper messages like are you worrying do you catch yourself judging and then you ask yourself okay why are you judging are you worrying that again that that person's getting a better gift than you that God is not giving out good gifts or that justice isn't really happening so it's like ask not see mm -hmm. go to God with all of this so about some things I kind of also got around this too law is there to examine our own hearts it reveals what is God is like and then it reveals what my heart though should be look like as a result and I think that also shows that's why there's a lot of talk and throughout scripture too like abiding in God seeking him always like knowing his word not just with your mind but with your heart too because through knowing God knowing what he's like what his heart that should help us see what's in our heart and help God get us to be see things his way and I also see the asking not kind of that way too like God okay I can see that I'm still can you help me like show me what I need to do next and reveal to me I think I know that's a lot with David too like he's always like God search my heart and I think that's a also like reading that's to help me to have that good eye in this situation yeah, mm -hmm. or, yeah. 
So remember, rules point us inward. Like, don't give to the needy to be seen by men because so when you do that, and then the rules become a checklist. Like, if you're only giving to the elected, that's something you feel like you have to do. You're not actually caring enough truly about helping the person. And the pastor also mentioned that you're also not really ever allowing the Holy Spirit to stir something in you to go do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. And when you pray, don't do it on the street corners like we talked before, but seen by men, because then you don't pray about things that are actually really on your heart. And remember, forgiveness is key. Jesus talks a lot about it, and it focuses inward, and it's hard work. Like, even with this judging and asking, like, that's probably hard not to want to go do something yourself, but stop and be like, wait, what? Do I need to go to God about this first. It's hard work to stop and, like, do all this stuff. Remember, God, though, is inviting us, though, to walk in His ways. And it's not to tell the world they're wrong, but deal with the wounds of my own heart so then I can experience freedom. And then, again, you live from knowing that. I think that's also a lot of Paul's where I remind people that you're a new creation. Like, remind them of that truth. You are set free. You have a new heart. Live from knowing that. And, and you, you still might have wounds to heal, but you go to God with that. Let God, and just know it's a journey of God healing those wounds. I also may know that God wants us to truly know who He is and what He's like. And that's, again, why the laws... And Jesus reminding what all of it always was about. It was always about relationships and generosity and mercy. And then again, that's why I mentioned don't throw their pearls to the, to the dogs. They don't, God's not their Lord yet. So it's not their, of course, it's not gonna. So he said, just be, you know, be careful of what you're saying. Christians can't ask non-Christians to do Christian things. Mm -hmm. So we need to love first, act like Jesus, be the light. And through that love, the way we treat them, that we go the extra mile, we do something different, we do forgive them, we do show mercy. Through that, maybe not right away, but through constantly doing that and building that relationship, they're gonna be like, what is so different about you? And I've actually heard other people's stories when they finally came to Christ. It was because the Christians they around, they said they were just so different. And I pray that God, I know I still have a lot of work to do when I read these again. I'm like, man, I'm still struggling here, God. So I just pass it on. Like we're all in this again, again together to remind us that it's, it's really helped us all of this. It's helped us all individually look within. So therefore how we then treat one another. It's not saying that we still can't call out when people aren't telling the truth and stuff, but it also need to remember love is just as important. And Asik Knock is not about God and sense. And I don't know if you want to touch upon that. Well, I know we talked about that. It was one of those verses that we know a lot of people pull out law of attraction, mm -hmm. but it, the pastor made a good point. Oh, you know, worry and judgment it has nothing to do about getting what you want. It's about, hey, God, can you make sure this person gets justice? So I people, trust that you're going to take care of that situation. But so many people make it be, and, and, yeah. and I bring this up for clarity too, because even though Lord, I feel like a lot of it's asking, helping run with judging and working with other people to God. But a lot of people do make it be like, well, just keep praying about, keep praying about, and then your thing doesn't come. So then you get more frustrated with God. But the pastor's reminding us, this ask, knock really isn't about, yes, it's all relationship with God's always should be the front side. He's like, there's always this, but this is really about this. <laughs> and I just really like that reminder. It's, it's really about community and helping one another. That's what the ask, seek, knock, asking for help from another believer. It's not always asking God for help. He's, God's like, I, you know, you all are, have the light in you. Like we should be able to be able to go to another brother or sister and ask for something. And that person yes. should be generous and know that, you know, so it's an idea. And I just love that more. It's how all this messaging is really about how we should react to other people because of our love of God. I'm hoping that's coming out right. But it helps me when you put so much pressure and I hope that helps somebody else. If someone kept telling you, well, you're not praying and you're not asking enough, you're not seeking God enough. And you're like, well, that's not what that Bible verse is about. Yeah, I feel <laughs> Like God, it helps put it back in perspective. Yes, we should still go and ask, seek God on things. Of course, I'm not saying that, but when you see this, it's more about how we should be asking, seeking help, helping other people around us. It just helps it seem, I feel like, it, a little differently. Yeah, for sure. So I just wanted to share that.
And then that ties into the narrow gate, which uh, when I learned this and sat with, again, what Marty had to say about all this, really sat a little bit deeper with all this. It, and you, I went back and again, I read the verses. And so you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and it's gate for wide for many who choose that way. So the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult, but only if you ever find it. And it is so interesting that so many people Think this is around heaven and eternity but none of that wording was used here it's just mm -hmm. talking about god's kingdom and that it's difficult it's amazing to me i went back and read it and really looked at these verses and the verses before and the verses after yeah it doesn't have anything about that it has nothing about eternity eternity is not even mentioned in those few verses but yeah everybody but i think there could be still some for sure tied to it for sure because mm -hmm. what i learned is that when you when you slow down and really read these verses, you don't see again any eternal damnation mentioned. Nothing about eternal salvation is mentioned in these verses. Here Jesus is referencing a larger idea of life and destruction idea. Remember verse 14 says the gateway to life. So that's it's again it's a bigger thing that Jesus is referencing here. There's a similar theme that we saw in the Beatitudes around blessed are you who is persecuted, right? Here again, it's not going to be easy to do all this stuff that Jesus was just saying about his kingdom. So if you want to walk out this Sermon on the Mount way, walk out the gospel, live the kingdom of God, you're going to have to do it with intention. As Michelle said, we still struggle with it. So we have intentionally have to slow down and ask ourselves, are we worrying about something and not going to God with it or whatever it is? like. You have to slow down on am I being forgiving and stuff. No, but also with the wide road and narrow road, he said it's not just something you're going to stumble into. It's something that with Jesus using this idea of a narrow road and a wide road is that narrow is also like you have to be intentional with it. You have to be focusing on You have to be aware of it. And not everybody's going to be doing that. That's what I was saying. It's hard. It's all hard work. <laughs> right. So if you're going to stumble down the path of life, the road is wide and leads to destruction. Lots of people are on that road. But if you want to find life, you have to work at it with intention. You're walking on a path so that the gate is narrow because it takes so much intention to do it. And only, as Jesus even said, only a few people are really going to, to do it. Slow down in. I mean, that changes the verse, these verses oh, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, in the whole context of the whole... Well, especially if you don't know you're so tied to salvation, because remember that... There's nothing to do about salvation. Salvation is, is believing the works of Jesus, but that's one pastor that's mentioning so many people... Because wasn't Torah supposed to bring life? Yeah. So what that's to me is like that. That's more of what he's getting. Yeah. These this way of living brings you life. Yeah. But and you have do you trust to, you that have it to will. seek it out. You have to do it. You but know? you have to like, do you trust that you right. will by you doing these ways of the Lord. You trust that it's going to bring you life. I do still think enter the narrow gate. I don't. I still believe Jesus is the only way to oh, eternity. That, yeah. But so that's, that's why yeah, I feel like yeah. it's a tie-in. But I think if you look at it as a way of living, you know who your Lord is, and you know how to interact with other people. Like there's obedience there, and it's. I remember one of the pastors mentioned so many people when he talks about this. He's like, it's, so many people accuse him of works righteousness. He's like, no, it's not about that. But Jesus himself saying there is work he would, you know, he's looking for his disciples to do. There are certain things Jesus is calling us to do. He's like, Jesus is saying it, not him. And he's like, you can, you can, yeah. do, you can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, yeah. which means you have to do this to work. Do this. Yeah, so to. some things I got from her book around this. Remember, Jesus is an invitation, not a command. He will never force anyone to join, but waits patiently for us to repent and follow him. When Jesus spoke about receiving the kingdom of God or entering the kingdom of God of heaven here, he wasn't talking about how to get into heaven after we die, as many people have thought. Yes, yeah, He was speaking about having the greatest life possible. How? By living under his reign, mm -hmm. through the power of his grace, his love, 
And once again, he was using a Jew Jewish idiom to communicate this message. One of the earliest and best known sayings about the kingdom of heaven is one that commented on the Shema, the prayer of every faithful Jew that he uttered. That comes from Deuteronomy 4 through 6. What did the rabbis associate the kingdom of heaven with this particular prayer? They understood that people who made this daily commitment with mentally bowing down before God and throning him as their king, such people were proclaiming their faith in God and pledging to live under his reign. To make this commitment had nothing to do with taking part in a political movement, but everything to do with making an individual spiritual decision. This understanding fits completely with Jesus' words that the kingdom of God is within you. For both Jesus and the rabbis to receive or to enter the kingdom of heaven could describe making a personal commitment to loving God with all your heart. So pretty much you're kind of saying, Christ has authority over me too with this. This is what and you're that saying. that to me ties into the gospel. The gospel is good news that there is a new king in charge. So Jesus entered into this world as the king and yeah. saying, I'm ruling now. I mean, that's again how Matthew wins. I have all power in 30. I'm reigning now. You can go out now and make disciples. Yep. Like this, you know, so. Yep. To me, like what she was, I think, also getting across, like this is really about seeing, humbling yourself and seeing Christ as your Lord this is also what it's pointing to. Yeah. There's so many ways that the world gives out to you the way to live that looks enticing, can maybe seem good at first, but really it's not the way of God. I so think that's broad. Everybody's doing yeah. it, but Jesus says it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's going to lead to destruction. Yeah, so she said, yeah, of course, belonging to the kingdom means pledging our obedience to the king. Jesus himself, who was hardly legalistic, said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is heaven. Once again, Jesus wasn't speaking about a heavenly afterlife. He was talking about enthroning God here now, showing our love by doing what he asked. Many of us long to experience God in deeper ways, but we forget that obedience is the key to spiritual vitality. And she goes into a lot more about that. I know Marty talked about that too. I have other notes about the kingdom. Like Jewish people understood, like you have to know who your Lord is. And then there's this sense of obedience would follow. And that's kind of really what... This is about. So again, thinking of the previous lessons and all these chapters that we've been discussing with you girls, that you're afraid God's not going to do his job. Why don't we instead, Jesus suggested, ask God to do what is right and then live with a good eye because you trust that God has this. God is going to take care of the justice, my enemies. So trusting God always allows me to live with a good eye. So living with a good eye, we have to be disciplined as it is not second nature, kind of like it's, it's hard, the path is narrow. Ties right into verses again, three and what I just said, 13 and 14, saying again, need to be intentional with this as it's not going to be easy. And then going down to verses, the next one about the two uh, fruits and the trees and stuff. This principle Jesus taught frequently in the gospels. We see this a lot. There's comparison of the fruits and all these trees. So this idea seems to be a frequent teaching from Jesus. And so when it's a frequent teaching of Jesus, you also need to pay slow down and really pay more attention to it. So Jesus' teaching here is about right practice, not right belief. Uh, as in Western thinking world, all we tend to think on is it, the content and the false teachers misinterpreting it. But that's not so much what Jesus is getting at here. It says, watch out for false teachers by their fruit. He doesn't say by their doctrine or by their words. So again, we under the doubt nowadays with the internet and stuff, we can have it so easy to listen to somebody, automatically call them out as a false teacher because of what we're hearing, the doctrine that they're saying. But that you see what Jesus says, that's not so much what he's focusing on. He's asking and calling us, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. 
The way they live, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fruit, and so that's what we should all be looking at. How are they living? Are they being generous? Are they being forgiving? Are they showing compassion Which and mercy? Which goes to show it's hard to do right. in today's way because everyone highlights what certain th things. things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it goes back to you have to not be quick to judge someone because yes. what you're quickly, like the one part of your life you're seeing them do and you're quickly judging the whole thing about them because none of us like that back. Yeah. You only saw one part about my life and you're just going to just assume all this. And so I think yeah. it goes, that's why it's an eternal reflection. This is all about us checking ourselves first. Yeah. Marty said this also can tie to back in chapter five about the abolish and fulfilling the law. So as to fulfill the law, it's living out, mm -hmm. living it out the way it should be, the right practice. Abolish the law is not living it out the way it should be. So again, a rabbi can speak truth, yet not live it out. So he's abolishing the law is what that kind of is getting at. So Jesus says, identify them by their fruits. And he says he's not sure if it ties into the fruits of the spirit, but those can be good mm -hmm. things to kind of look at. Love, patience, kindness. Or is it more rage and division? So if the ortho practice is off, it does not matter how true that content, how true that content is that that person's saying. It still is according to Jesus is a false teacher because you know a teacher by the conduct and the way they walk it out, the way they do things, their fruit, not just their content. Yes, I think the content, of course, theology does matter. There is mm -hmm. a point for that. Yes. That's also not the only thing we should be looking at in a person. We should also look according to Jesus, not my words, Jesus' words, is that looking at their fruit. So as these Pharisees, they speak with truth and they live it out on the surface. Like I said, a lot of these Pharisees did live it out, yet their hearts were wrong because with sinners, they pushed them out. You know, there was no love for other people. There was no love for the widows. There was no love for the poor. So Jesus said they were doing it. They had good theology. They were living it out, but yet the not fruit the wasn't out. there. And that's, I think, hits home deeper to all of this. What else can you tie in the fruit, though, on everything we just kind of saw? Yeah. Like, it's that fruit, too. Are they being merciful? Are they forgiving? Yeah. yeah. Are they are they really truly seeking God's justice, not imposing their own justice in the situation right. type thing? Maybe that also could be the fruit, because we just kind of were... Which, we again, later in another teaching of Jesus, we learn later, is that the heart comes from that, right? Yeah. That what defiles... And that's also the good eyes about. The heart. Yeah, it all so relates to again, what's in your heart, what actions you do, it all relates. concepts, yeah. I think, of the kingdom living that Jesus was getting at. So with the Pharisees even saying and doing at the surface the right things, but looking at their fruit, there is none. They aren't bearing the fruit. Later, again, Matthew, he talks more about that as well. So we, I know we'll get more to that later. I just want to touch on, like, Lauren and I still believe there are truly false prophets. But what I've also come to understand from some other people is some people may not be necessarily a false prophet, but they just have some false teachings. They just wouldn't be someone they would advise someone to listen to unless you have really good discernment and you know God's word good. Like then, so I think that's where it can get tricky because a lot of us, I know that's how Laura and I fell into it. We weren't really knowing it. So it, like I said, there's, there's a time where you do need to know truth. You do need to know really what the God And that's why teach. I feel like even too, by looking at the fruit sometimes of these people out there teaching stuff, it's hard sometimes to see their fruit, fruit. on an everyday life because some yes. of us don't live as their next door neighbor or right. in that church. I mean, some people are, but a lot of people just see them online, and so it's hard to yeah. sometimes. And that's why I know some people say they try, they call out people every once in a while, which I do appreciate because it helps us, goes back to More helping awareness. us discern as a yeah. community, we're helping us all together just so we're not well, trying to point to the, out the, the lights in the dark. You're pulling out the darkness in that teaching. Well, that wasn't quite, you know. So. And that's why I know some people do, they try to focus more on the teaching, not bashing the person, person. which I know can be hard. And some hard. people still might, but you're bashing me. All right, so moving down to the kingdom here about another big hot topic okay. verse is Lord, Lord, 
you did not know who I am. Which we did a thing. podcast a while ago about that. This was the first that scared us when we first came back. And I think that's, there's a sense it's so good to have a, a fear, yeah. of course. And there is, it's, to me, it still is a warning. But again, if you don't tie it so much in salvation, more just about living and, and, and bringing God's reign here, you kind of just so see it You're not really fully understanding kingdom either to right. me. So what well, I, who is your Lord? Right. You say he is, but really then you, you should be following this way. So this goes back Lord. to context matters and understanding the the people at that time of how they would view things or any other teachings that would be going on. So I learned there was this idea of a threefold kingdom. So um, listening again to the Bama podcast, they think and in, his, in, his, in his kingdom series, I listened to he yeah, talked he has about this yeah. too. So Marty thinks Judaism was thinking kingdom thoughts before Jesus even shows up. Think back all the way to Exodus in the, at the mountain. They were to be a kingdom of priests. They were to see God's finger involved that saved them. God's finger saved them from Pharaoh. Then they called out to him as their Lord after the Red Sea. Remember, they celebrated and they sang the song. Then at the Mount Sinai, God's like, you have to be a kingdom of priests if they follow his commands and laws. So Jews say kingdom comes when all three of those things happen. The finger of God moves. The people of God call him Lord. And the third thing, people respond in obedience. So when all the three of these things happen, that's kingdom showing up. And that's what I think is more reference to what is happening here. So again, it changes context and meaning of the verse. So interesting, a lot of Christians do all but obey the, obey the part, right? We all know we see God's finger moving in our lives and people around our lives. We don't have a problem calling that out and we don't have a problem calling Jesus our Lord, but we sometimes have the problem of obeying a lot of Christians. As he says, so many people, which I know Michelle tied it before, so many people think it's work-based then. Oh, I have to obey. That means you're teaching me a work-based theology. He's like, no, you're you're missing that part. It's, if it's you're thinking of this threefold kingdom, God saved them. He's they call him Lord. Then he's like, okay, now I'm going to give you a law to be set apart, to be to be different, and to live with one another. It's not work based. It's just like that's what you. But do. But I would have to ask people if you think it's so work based. How else do you show God's reign in your life if you're not following His ways? If you're not listening to what He calls you to do? Right. How else are you going to show other people that this is the way to live for the Lord if you don't do it yourself? So I would, that's why I don't So I think that's why people don't do the obeying part is because like, oh, it's work-based. I don't need to do that's that. That's what I'm saying, so but then how am I going to show right. who, yeah. who God is yeah. if they don't Something do it? Something I struggle with. But then he said, then you have people who don't claim Jesus is their Lord, but yet you see, you can still see God moving in their life and protecting them or giving them things. And, but you also see their fruit. They seem to be super generous. They seem to be obedient to things. They are very loving people. And Michelle and I know people of that. That's in the new age world. We had people that- You admired them because- We admired them because they were seemed very kind, very generous. They of course didn't acknowledge Jesus as their Lord. So I, I think it goes back to you need all three to be in the kingdom, to show what kingdom living and is. It ties into the Lord's prayer. Right. So it seems that they're, so again, but it seems when you see those people, seems that they have kind of Jesus in their lives. But it goes so, back to all of us have it written on our hearts. Right, right. They're just missing the Lord part, part, who is their Lord. Yeah. So again, a Jewish thought, for kingdom to show up, you needed all three of those things. So here in these verses, Jesus hitting on two of the three of the things. Another part, Jesus talks about the first one. Later, he says, I cast out demons. And he actually says, by the finger of God, the kingdom has come among you. That's later. We'll get to in another verses. But so he said here, talking about the Lord part 
and obeying part. Later he talks about the finger of God part, that, that the kingdom is here, because you see the finger of God moving. I'm doing it. I'm casting out demons. So here it's just step two and three of the whole kingship trifold thing. Not everyone calling him Lord will enter the kingdom, but the ones who do the will of my Father, that's the obedience piece, which I know Michelle, I think, in her book, was what she was you were yeah. touching up on there. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the dog barking in the background. Yeah, the kids we'll are to, doing something. We'll try to wrap it up here so we don't have to have that. But God's finger has already moved. How has God's finger already moved? God, Jesus. Jesus, the cross, right? And the resurrection. But yet God's finger continues to move, right? Mm -hmm. He continues to move in the lives. So God is doing his part. His finger's moving. The question is now, Jesus, I think, calling us to will you. God's doing his part. I'm, I'm here. I'm casting out demons. I'm doing all this stuff. Are you going to do your part in the kingdom living? So notice the kingdom thought for a Jewish person is not salvation, not about being saved. So don't have to have obedience work to be saved. That's not at all what Jesus is getting at here. Like I said before, it's always the saving comes first, then the obedience. This is just about how kingdom shows up. As Michelle was saying, how does how does kingdom show up? It's it's how you're living. It's how you're living it out. The fruit and who you're calling Lord and all that stuff. I just had a little bit too. She had a lot to say about the kingdom and the mysteries of kingdom of God. I'm not going to read the whole chapter here. It's all like good. But she just was making when Jesus walked through the land, healing and delivering people. God's kingdom was visibly breaking into history, just as it had in Exodus. But now God's reign was revealing itself in a greater way than ever before as his people experienced his saving, redeeming love. So again, there is something different. When Jesus showed up in the scene, he was he was bringing the kingdom. Yes, it's not fully, completely here. The finger of God is moving. But it's, and we can it's happening. Okay. I think we yeah. all need to see that and we are good to participate. And then you ask, how can I participate? <laughs> it's following his ways, truly knowing his heart and asking him to make your heart like it. You know, it's, it's a daily walk. And I just think it's so beautiful. The next couple yeah. of stories in Matthew, he's, he talks about a man being healed from leprosy, the faith of a Roman officer, all these people that would have been, again, not considered oh, right. inside the kingdom. And Jesus gives them grace, gives them mercy, and he gives Showing them... Showing how it's to be done. Right. Yeah. So it's just, again, beautifully written out. And then ending out chapter 7 to end this whole beautiful mm -hmm. sermon out is this idea that so many people less understand. If you generally read it, you get it. Okay, I'm not going to build my house on a certain ground. So foundation, I need to build it on the rock, then it will last through all things. And generally, yes, that's, that is all still good things. But again, understanding more maybe what the Jewish people would have been hearing when listening to these words, it helps me again understand this idea a little bit different. So when you're reading this, um, Marty suggested that thinking of the desert, this is kind of like their background. They, you know, they have a more of a desert living over there. So, and they have these wadi images. I forgot to look it up to see what, exactly what that is. It was like, I thought it was W-A-D-I. W-A-D-I. I think on the guy the picture, it showed like the streams or the breaks Maybe, in between yes. the rocks. So this I idea. Think. So you have two kinds of, and they also saw that there's two kinds of sands in the world. One type of sand was the seashore sand, the sand that you see down by like the beach. The second type of sand is just sand. It's sand that you would find at the bottom of these wadis. You have these like, I guess, gorges or something. Yeah, I think these it's in between like, the rock. It's the dirt that just settles down in there. Okay, so this is the sand that Jesus is talking about. Not the beachy sand. He's talking about this sand that's at the bottom of these things. So this isn't about building construction. It's about location, which I find different because I think so many of us focus on the construction of the building versus he's getting up to more just where is it located. So that person who listens to Jesus' teaching on the kingdom and decides Jesus is wrong is like the fool who built his house at the bottom of a wadi and destruction. Because that's going when, to when it rained, it would just they would wash out. And destruction is going to happen on both houses. It's going to happen. And it's not going to work 
as it's that's not how the kingdom functions. So again, if you're someone who's reading Jesus and stuff, oh no, Jesus, you're wrong. That's more of what he's getting at. That's the foolish house. But the person who listens to Jesus and takes Jesus' interpretation of the law is like the person who builds a house upon the cliff face out of harm's way. So when the wadi floods come, and they will, they will be okay. Like that's See, important to know. Hard times will come to us even if we're following the ways of God. That's right. Very, that's, and so it's goes back Jesus, to like, against what the prosperity people teach. Right. It's so also what Jesus says. God reigns for both the, the okay. righteous and the unrighteous. It's the same to me general concept. So it seems easy, right? Yet what Jesus has been teaching was revolutionary to them. It's all backwards and would have been a difficult teaching. It's kind of still today. Yeah. <laughs> so like he is, I believe in Torah, Jesus. And this is what Torah always meant to do. So this house will take a narrow gate with intention, building this type of house, having it located in these you know, spots. So trusting Jesus, yes, but also trusting the whole story, which to me ties back and you have to always, always remember to look at the Bible as one big unified story. And we learn a lot from too from the Bible project to get this whole theme of kingdom is throughout the whole Bible. It starts with the kingdom at the start, it ends with God's kingdom at the end. So Jesus is like, trust me, I see the Bible better than any rabbi. I know the story. I know, you know, so I, I really like that. I wrote the story. That we're part of the story. And I think that's also the, the beautiful thing about following Jesus. I think you can almost look at it as like by the end of this sermon, you sit back and reflect on all of like who yes. is, it helps you reflect who is my Lord? What ways am I falling? Am I being foolish somewhere in my life? Am yes. I, you know, am I truly trusting God? And Jesus. Like I said, all story. this isn't to point fingers at other people that they're missing all the mark. It's where am I missing the mark? And therefore it changes me of how I treat others. Therefore, then they can, you know. It just hits me deeper because again, gospel is saying, hey, good news. There's a new king here. And, and you have some kingdom. things from the Bible project. Yeah. Right? So just again, what I learned again from the Bible project, they have a whole kingdom series. Like, and I highly recommend listening to it. I think they have a video, but they also have a podcast oh, series so. on it. We'll try to again make sure we link them up in our um, Matthew notes over on our blog so you guys can see again if you're interested. They were really helpful and really showing again the one unified story of the two kingdoms. And so when Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, like that was them setting their kingdom. Oh, we're not going to do God's will. So Jesus is here coming into his world and saying, no, Time I'm reigning back. back. And so but some people just don't acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And still back then in the Old Testament and still to this day. So, but we as Christians have to know Jesus is reigning now. We and live while he's our Lord. But he saved us. And when it starts at the cross and the resurrection, he already saved us. Mm -hmm. And so, but he's inviting us into his kingdom. And it yeah. is a thing that can happen now, yeah. not just some future thing. Mm -hmm. And I like sitting with that more as well. Yeah, so. I remember too learning something like the way the Jewish people saw eternal life. It wasn't always like... They, yes, there was a sense that it was the, the next life. I think right. that's like for the next life. But that's also the quality of life you're living now. And I think this is also inviting us into that. Can you trust to follow? And remember, Jesus came to bring us abundant life. It's that idea, like, can we trust that God's way do lead to life? Right. I guess also, too, it says, it like, you know, in these Gospels, it says the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom yeah. of heaven is here. I guess a better way of translating that could be, like, the rule of God or the reign of God has arrived, mm -hmm. which, they, again, their whole thing was really great on that and um, helping you understand. And then, the, but when God made us into his image, we were given reign yeah. and rule. So it, to That's me, why it, we're it, part of it. We're all part of and it. And why he's trying to, like, correct our thinking on it, correct our actions on it correct the way we see things and do things. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's reminding people what the original plan was in a sense. Right, because as image bearers, I had notes like, and that's how God reigns. The world is through our humans. Mm -hmm. It's through all of this. And to me, and we have this Holy too. Spirit, so yeah. we're able to do this. Yeah. But I know from Lord and I, we weren't really, the Holy Spirit wasn't something we grew up really knowing and understanding that that 
person of the Trinity. And so it's still new to us. I will be honest with moments I'm trying to like, Lord, I want to walk by your spirit. I really don't know how. So again, if anyone has any recommendations on that, please let us know. But sisters, that's going to yes. conclude our <laughs> three-part series of our bonus videos to our Matthew Bible studies. Thank you for joining us. We hope this has been a blessing. We hope, again, this has helped you see the whole Sermon on the Mount in a different light. Just in a different slow down way. and go back and read it from, yeah. from yeah. Yeah. Like, listen to all this and then go. we encourage you to go back and reread it. Slow down. Of course, pray to God it continue yeah. to help you to understand this through His eyes. And what is this kingdom living? That goes back to you have to understand what kingdom is in the gospel. And when you understand what that means, yes, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins is part of all of it, yes, but there's very another important part of it. There's another part of this whole. Yeah, Jesus is one of his key things. It was teaching kingdom living. So it's also so important. what's important to yeah. him for us to understand Same. the way to be, kingdom. the way to live, and be in his kingdom. And that's also sure. a key thing with Matthew is showing you. You think you're in his kingdom, but you're really not. These type of people are in his kingdom. And as I said, then it goes into chapter eight. So I just yeah. so beautifully, yeah, yeah. So again, thank you so much for being here, and we'll be back with if, on our current YouTube channel, back into our John series, and if you're following along on this with our podcast, and we'll continue on with our Matthews Bible yes. study. So again, thank you so much. We love you guys. We'll chat with you in the next Bible study.